0: Coming to you from USL headquarters, this is Steal Some Time. Here's the USL's Kelsey Steel. Episode 7 of Steel Some Time is Here. I'm your host, Kelsey Steele, joined by Scott Stewart. We have somehow made it to July. We're halfway through the USL Championship season. A lot to go over. Um, We are going to be joined this week by Drew Becky, and he provides a lot of really cool insight on um, his journey. And for those of you who aren't familiar with Drew Becky's story, I highly, highly recommend you stick around. This guy has really been through it all. And um, on top of it, too, comes from a really cool gene pool and has a really cool family story and so he's going to shed a light on um some really cool things happening in the soccer world right now and um of course world cup action is going on so yeah man we are we are busy Uh, like scott and i never uh have let's say we never struggle to talk about things but i think episode seven is going to be filled with a lot of good conversation so Let's let's get after it. I have got to start with Swope Park in St. Louis in week seventeen, and I I want to support St. Louis so badly, Scott. I've said it time and time again. I truly, truly want this team to succeed, but they they're just they're not doing enough for me. This is a loss that St. Louis did not need to have. They dropped this one two one to Swope Park. I mean we've we've seen them shine i think that's what's frustrating is i know they've been hit with some injuries this year and have been overcoming adversity quite a bit but every time that i'm about to say okay i'm in uh, I'm, I'm bought into what st louis is trying to do they do something like lose to swill park
1: yeah no i'm i'm absolutely with you uh i think that this is going to be one of the ones that they will look back on at the end of the season and be like wow i'm also a little surprised that we lost to Park." But in saying that, Swope Park at home is different. Uh, I only look back to the Louisville game and thinking, like, what a weird game. I think they, they drew Charlotte their last home game, and uh, that's not a ringing endorsement for them. But I'm trying to look. Well, they beat, they beat Louisville at home back in early May, and St. Louis in the return, or in the first version of this game, beat them 3-1 mm-hmm. at home. I think if I'm following you a little bit though, where you're going with this is less about swope and more about st. Louis' inconsistency and just and listen this listen to Sam Fink a couple of weeks ago when he was on our podcast, he specifically mentioned that they're they're keeping a balance and this is a really congested part of the schedule uh, and, and I'm sure that there have been a lot of games in relatively short periods of recovery time but in saying that, if you are going to continue to progress in the Open Cup and the quarterfinals are a great thing, they're something to be proud of, you do risk sacrificing a little bit of your league mm. form. And I think that's just what we're looking at right now, a la Louisville of last year, who went winless in June, but played Chicago in the quarterfinals up at Toyota Park. And then when they were gone, in, listen, I'm not, uh, I'm not shouting out St. Louis FC as 2019 USL Championship final winners, but I will say that I think there's more to this situation than maybe meets the eye initially, and I'm more willing to judge St. Louis or give St. Louis some additional time, maybe say August, September St. Louis versus May, June, early July St. Louis.
0: Because you look at St. Louis, and they have the tools. They've got a lot of really quality players on the team. We're talking Paris G, Kadim Akers, Russell Ciceroni, I mean, Sam Fink, Kyle Gregg. I mean, Kyle Gregg's header out of the gate was gorgeous and he nearly had one right before that I believe it was Kyle Gregg Mm -hmm. um, off the post I mean it was an absolute gore I mean they they have so much potential I think that's what's so frustrating for me is I really want to get behind them and they the losses to Swope Park Bethlehem and Hartford here in this last stretch really hinders that for me
1: well and I think that again looking at the game itself i mean they played to 98 minutes i mean it was a yeah. it was a strange game in general swope or st louis nearly taking the lead swope taking a first half lead going into the second half st louis scores like with 12 minutes to go and then swope answers almost immediately so i think that St. Louis would like to say, or you know, not speaking for them, but I think they're in one of those situations where they're like eight or nine times out of 10, we don't lose this game, but this is the one time that we lost this game. Unfortunately, agreeing with you in the same vein, I think that they have said that about maybe too many games so far this year already.
0: Right. Elsewhere in the East, I think we've got to talk about north carolina fc oh we've got fist pumps in the studio for those of you who can't see it jesus uh north carolina fc are they the team to beat right now that is my question for you scott
1: i almost feel like we can't talk about them out loud that they're this like mythical creature (laughs) that only comes to life when we leave them alone uh we've we've sang some pretty high praises of north carolina over the last few weeks and rightly so Um, I think I called out for some consistency a couple weeks ago when we last spoke about them. Um, And even this was going back to Austin Deleuze at the beginning of Pride Month, which, by the way, playing for Pride, raising an incredible amount Mm -hmm. of money, Athlete Ally, great to see that project grow year and year and year and hopefully get even bigger next year. So um, on the game itself, though, sometimes it truly is just one that can be the magic number. And Ben Spees in the first half, right around the half-hour mark, Gave North Carolina the one goal that they would need. Nashville, I still think, is—and it was great to see Cameron Lancaster start the game for them, uh, which is not—that's almost a luxury, seeing the front three of Lancaster, Moloto, and Rios together. But going back to preseason, I think that there were questions of how well Daniel Rios and Cameron Lancaster would play together. Right. And they start again, and now we produce a a goalless game that ends up being a a 1-0 loss for Nashville. So I am really interested to continue to watch Nashville as they progress throughout this season, but they've been out of the Open Cup for a few weeks. This is one of the strongest teams in the entire championship on paper. I think that we're all waiting for Nashville to hit a level based on preseason expectations that they just haven't hit yet, and now time will tell whether or not they're actually going to get there. But for the hosts... This is another quality win. This is one of those that you look back in October when you're looking at the playoff bracket and you're assuming North Carolina's in there and you're saying, okay, how far do we think they can go? Well, remember back when, remember when they beat Louisville to open the year, Nashville in June. They they do have some signature wins. Hopefully this is another one for them to build on.
0: They haven't lost since May 12th, Scott. North Carolina FC has not lost in... A month and a half i mean it is incredible and we're we're not talking about you know low low winds here we're talking about high quality wins over new york tampa and now nashville i mean they are they're really performing and then you have got to give credit to Tam Bacchus right now he was phenomenal on saturday uh made some incredible stops i mean i think he's got 46 days right now which is the most in the East and the West, the entire league as a wow. whole. So um, I think that, you know, you have to give a lot of credit where credit's due with Tampakis and when what he's doing uh, in between the posts there. Uh, yeah, I think North Carolina FC is, is definitely uh, a team that we maybe haven't given enough shouts to, and now it's starting to move the needle a Well, bit.
1: and when you look at their unbeaten streak, their next three are Charlotte at home, Birmingham away, Loudon at home. Mm-hmm. They go Pittsburgh away, Atlanta at home, and then arguably the biggest test of the year, Saturday, August 3rd. But we're talking about Saturday, August 3rd. We're talking about nearly two months down the road. And listen, you have five games before them. And in this league, with how it is, and especially in the East... Teams can come on top randomly. I mean, you see, yeah. we just saw Swope St. Louis, a game that you would think St. Louis would be able to hold their own in.
0: I went on record saying that this should be an easy three points for St. <laughs> Louis. So that's the last time I do that.
1: Yeah, you're you're a little hurt by sticking your neck yeah, out a little bit. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, I mean, again, even looking at their next three, if you're North Carolina, you're saying, why can't we get out of the next three with nine points? Why can't we get out of the next five with 15? So it's just like if you can continue to build this momentum – Who's to say where you're going to end up in October? But I think that one thing that Davis prioritized is, A, this is a new look, North Carolina Mm -hmm. FC. This is going to be a team that is built from the bottom up, and we've seen it be successful so far. But I think their mentality going game by game by game is how they're going to find themselves at the top or near the top come October.
0: These next few weeks are definitely gonna say a lot, I think, for North Carolina FC and whether their consistency stays on par. But elsewhere in the West we've gotta to touch on Fresno and El Paso as well. Oh so Fresno, okay, okay, I'm I'm on board. I think Fresno was it was one of those teams earlier in the year whereas Tulsa in that same vein but like is this for real like are they are, are they really going to be one of those teams Dude, they were reckon with like their first I nine. know and I think it was so hard for so many people to buy into that and, at this point I am cuz the, like,
1: the draws the draws they have yeah, so many draws so to open many, the year
0: so many uh I just it, it's I'm very impressed with the display that that Fresno had. Again, El Paso has been on the road. I, I will give that to him. Um, I I think that takes does take a toll. It's hard going back to back to back cities. That's that's not an easy task by any means. But I mean, El Paso hasn't won a game since June 15th. Um, you know, and now and now we're looking in the first week of July. My my counter to that, they haven't scored since June fifteenth either. Wow. So we're talking Goals about have dried up a little bit. We're talking about a, an attack with Omar Salkado and Kisa Vetter that was just flying. I mean, at one point they were averaging I like two goals a game during that unbeaten stretch. And to go from that into suddenly three in a row and you're just like, you can't get anything going offensively. And a lot of these games, too, they've maintained possession and they, they've played right in there. So I just think that they've got to kind of get that switch where they can start getting some things going offensively again.
1: Well, and, and obviously Drew sang and, and he'll, you know, He'll talk more about this if things continue in this vein, but mm-hmm. I know one thing that El Paso has struggled with is they've had some injuries in the last three games. It has mm-hmm. been tight for them, and of course they're going to want to rebound. But the big issue in the West is it's so tight. I mean, Phoenix, and I'm sure we'll touch briefly on Phoenix's unbelievable run thus far, but outside of Phoenix, who sit six points clear at the top, there are you know six teams within four points of each other. There are five teams within a three-point swing. That's one game. So if you're El Paso, that nine-game unbeaten run, to get you to fifth to where you are now after the three-game you know, uh, winless run that you're on now, you don't have that much room to maneuver. The swing really doesn't go that far for you guys. So consistency, getting back to winning ways, obviously scoring a goal is going to be the most important thing now. But if they can get healthy, if they can come back, I think that they'll prove more fruitful as they get more comfortable. But again, next three, traveling to OKC is not easy. Mm-mm. Hosting San Antonio might be a little bit better based on their home record. And then, of course, hosting a, a Monarchs squad, which just lost their head coach, a little bit more favorable for them, but by no means in the clear, right? So again, it's about reestablishing that momentum and making a run. I almost feel like we should take part of the blame cuz if we had never said anything. I know. If we had never said anything, who knows where they
0: I blame be. Matt Calvo. He was the one who said it.
1: And he's not here, and which is super here. convenient. So so I'll remind much we'll I'll just... remind the judge of this in a couple weeks here, but <laughs> no, nah, it's all it's all good. For Fresno though, again, I Fully agree. This was a great performance. Three goals, home win, you keep a clean sheet. You're now third place with a game in hand and only a point back of Reno, who is just as surprising to be at, at two as uh, as Fresno at three. So some positive momentum for the Foxes. They've got a solid, the second best goal difference in the West. And now it's just about uh, keeping it well. And if anyone can catch Phoenix, I'd, I'd be surprised. But I'm, I'm here for the chase.
0: Listen, there's a lot of parody in the Western Conference right now. And I think that... There brings a lot of excitement when you start to think about the postseason uh, this coming year, and um, I think now we can talk a little bit more about postseason because we hit that halfway mark, and now it's a little bit more acceptable. But we're talking about the possibility of, of there being a a Western Conference run that could go in many different directions, and that's fun. I mean, I don't know at this point if someone is going to be able to take down what's happening with Phoenix and um, them rising, as as one may say, smooth. <laughs> Thank Smooth sailing. Thank you very much. You're all done. I, I, I think that this, this postseason mock-up that we might have in this Western Conference side of the bracket could be extremely fun.
1: I mean, 4-2 over Portland, and yes, it was another home game for, for Phoenix, but Portland, as we touched on last week, have one of the best road records in the, in the Western Conference as a whole, and I think even in the league as a whole. So for Phoenix to, again, sort of up their game for, for the eighth straight win, they are now too shy of tying the all-time championship record for consecutive wins. Amazing. For them to do this again and again, emphatic fashion, still losing guys to the Gold Cup, this is one of the most dangerous teams, or could prove a lot left, but could prove to be one of the most dangerous teams in championship history once all is said and done. So, looking forward to seeing what Phoenix is able to produce in the second half of the season. But a remarkable first half, and in, in front runners in the West, and saying that says a lot in a Western Conference that is top to bottom pretty high quality
0: another week in the book for us all championship play we are looking ahead to week 18 but before we do that we'll take a quick break and when we come back el paso's drew becky is going to be joining us and the canadian has quite the story guys one thing that people may not know is drew had a sudden heart attack a few years ago and, and nearly lost the ability to play the game at, at one point in time and there was there was one time where the doctors literally told him you will not be able to play soccer again um so he shed some light on that his connection with mark lowry and uh joining that that el paso unit and of course the success of his sister janine with the canadian national team so when we come back drew becky will be joining us
2: this is josh Sugg from New mexico united and you're listening to steal some time
0: welcome on back to steal some time el paso's drew becky joins us now drew thanks so much for stopping by
2: thanks for having me
0: we're listen we're thrilled to have you on i know there's a ton going on in your world here recently so we've got a lot to cover but first i really want to talk about your transition from okc to el paso back in may so as a professional athlete i think you need to give uh, the you know normal day to day, or some insight into what's that like to have that sudden change in the middle of the season, just to pick up cities and, and totally switch teams.
2: Yeah, you know it's uh, I've been doing this for a long time, so it's not too much of a, a big change for me. But uh, yeah, changing cities is always um, is always a bit difficult, especially in the middle of the season. Uh, you know, I had a, a great apartment, I have nice furniture, all that stuff, and you got to find a way. To get it all to a new city, but uh, luckily the clubs are, are really good with all that. Um, I can just focus on getting myself to. I focus on getting myself to El Paso this specifically, um, and they, they kind of take care of the rest. So um, I was just excited to get here and, and to be a part of uh, the team here with the locomotive and to play for Mark again. And it's it's been a real a real great change.
0: Yeah, and you and Mark have have quite a history too. Most recently, as part of that Armada squad in twenty seventeen. Do you feel like there's a level of comfortability on this team?
2: Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, you 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 want to work with people that you not only get along with, but you agree with. And in terms of style of play, his uh, style fits my my prototype. I guess I, I play out of the back. Um, we play out of everything, and that's really how I wanted to play. And you know, unfortunately, okay. You see, it wasn't working out for me. Um, Things changed from from 2018, and and that's just football. So um, luckily I was able to, to get another opportunity here in El Paso.
0: Last year, you actually did a, a first-hand piece for us on From the Pitch, and you really told a, a really inspiring story. If you guys haven't read this, get onto our From the Pitch website. This is an incredible story from Drew. But at the very end of the story, you talk about your your heart condition and everything that happened while you were overseas, and you you point blank thank Mark. And and in that, I, I wanna I wanna reread this here. You said, thank you for extending a hand to me when I recovered. You guys provided me a contract when you didn't have to. You took a chance on me and helped me get back to full fitness. I'm in debt to you guys for that. I mean, that's that's really high praise for a, a coach, Drew.
2: Oh, definitely. I mean, um, coming off a, a hard problem, a lot of teams are going to say they don't want to touch you. They don't know exactly what is going on. They don't know exactly... Um, how you've recovered even if you get a full clearance from a from a cardiologist and so um, I was always in touch with mark I had a great opportunity to go to Europe and play didn't work out obviously with the sickness but um, you know when when mark lends a hand and, and offers me a couple thousand bucks a month to play and uh, and an apartment to use for the time being especially in the the way the club was with Jacksonville, it was uh it was a, a no brainer for me to take it and and see what came of it and luckily i was able to get back to full fitness and and that's yep. when uh you know the the time with o k c came about and it was it was yeah i'm I, it's it's just fantastic so
0: you guys really have something special going with Mark and, and that El Paso squad right now. and That nine-game unbeaten streak just came to an end recently. And, I mean, this is a streak that I think a lot of people were surprised by. Not necessarily many of us saw coming. We've Scott and I have stated it many times on this podcast that we were kind of like, who, who no one would have seen this coming. But, I mean, to you, is there something that sticks out right away where you're like, yeah, no, this is, this is why we're successful on the pitch?
2: Well, I think the big thing you got to look at is um, humility. The, the players that Mark has brought in, they've they've stuck to their roles. You look at um, the players that El Paso have, and I, I I found this, you know, before the season started, they're going to have a good team. Mark's going to be able to bring in good players, and it'll take some time for them to, to kind of gel. And, and then obviously you saw that with the nine-game unbeaten streak that um, they had things go in the right way. And with players you know obviously Richie's getting a bit older here but he's he's been fantastic Nick Ross is fantastic um Chiro is I mean and the loss of Mishak is tough but these players are all fantastic can all play at higher levels and um it, it's just uh again it goes back to the humility and these guys accept the roles that they're playing in they're selfless and um they're just defending really well and they, a lot of the time we have the ball and when the other team doesn't have the ball obviously you, you can't uh you can't lose so again having Jerome Keyswider come in and, and score those goals has been obviously uh, amazing and hopefully that can continue these last three games have been tough but we've had some injuries so that happens in the USL. you have smaller squads and you have a long season with a lot of travel so um, going into the second half of the season it's it looking it's looking really good
0: something special happening in El Paso for sure. And I think something also that's incredibly special from where you are is your relationship that you have with your sister. And it really seems like soccer is a family affair for the Becky family. I mean, what what has it been like for you to watch your sister Janine compete on the biggest stage?
2: Yeah, it's fantastic. It's, it's amazing to see how she's, she's grown up and um, really takes on the pressure and, and tries to you know thrive in that. Um, you know it's a tough World Cup for Canada. I think they had a lot of expectations and they didn't really fulfill those. So that's disappointing for them. And I know she bears a lot of that. Um, but it's it's so exciting to see you know when you got commentators like Derek Ray and all those guys saying nice things about your sister. That's that's pretty cool. And having those conversations um, with those guys about her is 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 fantastic and these are the things that you, you when you're growing up you're watching these games men or women it doesn't matter it's the highest stage and it's uh, amazing to to be a part of that
0: obviously a whirlwind of emotions for you and for her after that miss pk in the round of 16 as the older brother though in that situation what's your advice to janine after that
2: Oh, you know, I I don't say too much. I just say, you know, things don't always go your way. It's going to be a great learning opportunity and uh, you're going to learn a lot from this, right? And um, we all love you. We all care about you. And, you know, she needed some time to digest that and uh, she did really well. She didn't have to go on camera and answer those questions, but she did a really really good job of of standing up to the pressure. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, you know, she misses it, but it's a great save. So... Again, she's going to learn from it. Canada's going to be back. Um, there's going to be people that always want success right, right now, right here. Um, that doesn't always happen, as you know, uh, but they have a lot of great players going forward and a lot of young players that go into the future are going to be great.
0: Yeah, I think Janine really stepped up in that post-game interview and, yeah, like, like you said, said a lot of things that, honestly, she didn't need to and uh, showed a lot of humility. And um, I think if, you know, you're a, a fan of Canadian football or, you know, a, a family member of, of her, you have to be pretty proud to see how she handled that moment. And a lot of athletes are truly shine in the face of adversity, and it seems like she's she's definitely one of those.
2: Yeah, we, we, we play this game because we love it, um, and with that comes criticism. Because there's there's fans that want you to succeed. They, they want they 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 spend their hard-earned money to come watch these these high-end players, and if they don't have success, then you know they feel the same as the player, and, and that's just the way it is. That's that's why sports are sports, and that's why it's the greatest. Um, and so that criticism is fair. But, you know, sometimes you have to look at the situation and say, you know, these guys aren't trying to miss the PK. These guys aren't trying not to win and and, you know, lose to, I guess you say, lesser competition. It just happens. That's what sport is. And so uh, it's against for all those players, whether you you know, you made it into the group stage, or you didn't make it out of the group stage for any team. It's a learning experience that will help them in any part of life.
0: I love that. And off the pitch this week, you actually shared on uh, social that after 10 years, you've graduated from the University of Denver. So I'm curious, what factored into your decision to finish your degree?
2: Well, I had put so much time into it before I, I left uh, Denver to play uh, a long time ago. And I had, since I had put so much time, I think I calculated, I think I lost something like 25 days in study hall over the time I was there. So <laughs> there wasn't any way I was going to let those 25 days go to waste. Um, and luckily, the, the NCAA has a great program, um, at DU we have, it's a private university, so if you do leave, you lose your scholarship. Um, so I, I was able to go through the NCAA and get a grant to finish my last few classes, and uh, <laughs> Was it easy? No, it wasn't easy, especially doing it all online. Um, but man, it's worth it. You know, I can't. I'll never know, I guess, until I'm older what you know the calculation of what it's going to earn me later in life. But I had all this time after training and at night to do these classes, and finally, when I was a little bit more mature here, being 28 now, uh, I appreciated the the classes a little bit more, and I was able to get it done.
0: I think a reoccurring uh, conversation, too, with athletes, current and uh, retired, is that oftentimes you're not prepared for life after the game. You know, once you, once you hang up the boots, that it's kind of shell-shocked in a way. You know, what's next? Do you feel like you're going to be in a better position when it does come time for you to, to call quits?
2: That's a good question, Kelsey. I, I'm not sure. I mean, having an education and having that background is good. I didn't really, my degree is in uh, criminology and finance. So I think I'll use the finance more than the criminology. But to be honest with you, I don't remember a lot of what I, I learned in university. But having that that dedication and I think um, ability to learn and read and, and be better at writing and all those things, that'll definitely service me well. I don't know exactly what I'll be into after I'm done playing. Um, but I know that I will have a I will have to have a job after I'm done playing. I'm not making millions here. so. <laughs> Um, but if anybody's thinking about going to university, yeah, if you can do it, do it. Um, if you can't, and it's not a financial, um, you don't have the financial ability to do it, then maybe do a trade or, or work your way through school. I think it's, unless you're, you're going to school for specific things, being a doctor or, you know, an engineer, which I highly recommend to anybody. I think, uh, you can, you can be whatever you want these days. Any job is going to. Uh, teach you what you need to succeed. And so it's just your, it's up to your ambition and your um, integrity to get things done. And so I'm glad that I was able to to finish mine and, and have it for when I'm done playing.
0: Another check for you which is really cool and I think there's still some unfinished business for you in in El Paso and that that train still got a little bit of ways to go here we have a long season still left and I think that I can vouch for the staff here when we say that El Paso has been a fun team to watch and we're really looking forward to see what you guys get into the rest of the season
2: awesome I appreciate the time today guys yeah we have a a great uh, rest of the 17 games to go and we're really looking forward to it
0: Awesome. Well, I appreciate you stopping by, Drew, and uh, you take care.
2: Awesome. Talk to you guys soon. Thanks.
3: Hey guys, it's Mark Anthony K, and Dan. you're listening to Steal Some Time.
0: All right, kids, you heard it here first, so uh, stay in school. According to Drew Becky. And
1: remember what you learn.
0: <laughs> remember what you learn. Also learned. important. Now in all seriousness, uh, we're really appreciative of Drew stopping by. Had a lot of really great insight. And, you know, he's he's got such a wealth of, of knowledge and experience with the game. And um, a lot to tell younger generations as well. So bringing a lot to El Paso and that Mark Lowry unit, I think.
1: And... I just appreciate his candidness. I oh, mean just coming yeah. out very straightforward, very direct. Didn't didn't dodge any of uh, I won't say you threw him any softballs anyway, but mm. he certainly doesn't dodge anything. I like how willing he is to just go out and this is my opinion. He's like, Well, Kelsey, honestly, I mean I uh, I didn't really remember anything that I learned <laughs> the first time in school and I I love that he's able to to get out there, so Certainly uh, grateful for Drew's addition to the podcast this week.
0: And, of course, and we wish him you know all the best the rest yeah. of the season. Another guy who really doesn't care you know what he says and, and has no filter at times is uh, our man Alexi Lawless. He went on Fox Soccer this week and I quote said, if the U.S. win tomorrow, I will put on a wedding gown and I will pose for a picture in front of the Eiffel Tower. Went on live TV, he said that, and guess who went for the throat? Our girl, Allie Long, she she wasn't having it at all. She came back with him and said, uh, Alexi, can, can I take the picture? He retweeted it. He didn't, he didn't have any comment, but as soon as that game was over last week, guess who came knocking at that door again? Allie Long. And uh, Quote tweeted her own tweet one more time and said, so what time are we meeting? <laughs> and at this point, I really... Maybe we have to wait till the whole tournament's said and done. I don't know. Maybe. Uh, But we got to make this happen.
1: Yeah, I don't want to eviscerate Alexi for for not following up yet because maybe that's in the future plans. Maybe it's turned into, like, uh, hopefully they can get to Sunday and bring it home, and then he might do it. But, dude, I would have been, just saying, if you're going to stick your neck out like that, I would have been lined up standing by the Eiffel Tower with a wedding dress in my right hand, Looking for the nearest bathroom, waiting for Allie. Because, dude, you just get, you got to follow up, man, if you're going to go that big. And more importantly, it's because he said that if France wins this game, I'll pose in a af- Not only like going out that far, but going against your own country yeah. to say that France is going to be the one to knock it. Dude, I think Allie has every right. The most online women's national team in the history of women's national teams, maybe the most online team that America has to offer. They're going to come for you, Lexi. You know this. They're going to come for you.
0: And Lexi, dude, you're in the shopping capital of the world. You have wedding dresses at your disposal like every other store in France you can walk into and you're probably going to find a wedding dress. So these girls are not going to let you get out. Basically,
1: what she's saying is this was easy to pull off. And, she, <laughs> and Kelsey is personally disappointed that there has not been a photo posted on the Twitter sphere. I get it. I understand. I am personally disappointed. I don't want to see Alexi Lawless in a dress. <laughs> but if it's what we have to do for justice, then I think that's what we have to do.
0: And you know what? They're going to they're going to bring their own justice. Uh today, hopefully. And uh big game today against England. Obviously the pod comes out after this game will uh will finalize. So we won't have uh we won't bring a ton of analysis, I think, on the on the World Cup matchup today. Um I, I will say that that the US team and England they've won all of their matches. In this tournament so that they're both you both got a, a strong amount of momentum and um, same kind of background there um, but England's never gone past the semis of a women's World Cup yeah they were you know the th- third in the 2015 tournament but they, they never reached that that last game so I think that's something as well they they they're gonna they're gonna want it just as bad as we do but uh, Scott you alluded to it a little bit earlier um, off off the mic that you know you, you think this is gonna be a much easier yeah. then than France.
1: I mean, by the time I'm having people listen to this and, and responding, I certainly hope that that's the case. But uh, my two senses: if if America can get in early, uh, they're just going to rattle England. Mm-hmm. And England is just as talented as I think, you know, any side the U.S. will have faced. But um, personally, looking at the France game, I thought France took entirely too long to actually find their legs and find their confidence. And I think that with as high on confidence as England seems to be coming into this game. Of course, they're not the brash, overly ambitious Americans as we saw in the Guardian yesterday, as that Guardian headline wrote. But England's high on confidence. Phil Neville's repeatedly said, you know, we recognize what we want to do. We want to win the World Cup. And I think, you know, come 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I think America has some bad news for Phil Neville. But we'll see.
0: Speaking of Neville, had some good um Choice words for the uh, U.S. women's national team after this year's uh, hotel gate has broken. So not Watergate, not Deflategate, but now, ladies and gentlemen, welcome Hotelgate to the stage. It it, it is here. Apparently, U.S. team officials were found walking around private rooms at England's hotel. I wasn't there. I was in Tampa Bay soaking up some sun, so I can't vouch for what was seen or what was said. But um, I don't know, may, maybe a little bit of extra um, buzz around this matchup because of Hotelgate.
1: Well, Jill, Jill claims that you know her staff was just doing their responsibility. That USA was considering making the switch to that hotel before the final, uh, and so they were just doing their due diligence, but. I think it was more the the way that Neville chose to address the situation, just being like, "Oh well, not my team. My staff would never do that. <laughs> Their staff, they can do whatever they want, but not my team." So I was just, it just goes back to the whole like um, pretentiousness. Mm-hmm. I think that that comes at that level, uh, and I think obviously this will add a little bit of extra fuel to the fire, but personally, and, and again, I'm, I would never speak on behalf of any of the, the girls on our side, but they didn't need that anyway. Right. They don't need any extra fuel to this fire. I, Jill said it last week, some teams visit pressure, they live there. And I just think that, like, this is another case of whether you want to call it mind games or just getting out in the public sphere and maybe turning the game on America before the, the whistle. But I don't think this team's going to care at the end of the day regardless. So, And I think that's probably the the thing that we're most excited for this afternoon is just watching a team that we all have high expectations for go out there and prove why they deserve to be there.
0: Big week for America. Um, Obviously, World Cup is still going on. Also, happy birthday, America. Fourth of July is this week as well. It's a lot of festivities going around there. Um, Scott, I've got I've got a, a few little trivia questions for you. Oh, okay. Um, I'll hit you with just a few here. We are we are time sensitive. Hot dogs are a big thing on mm. the Fourth of July. Obviously, the the Nathan's Fourth of July hot dog contest is a big thing year in and year out. How many hot dogs do you think are consumed on the Fourth of July every year
1: around the country? Yes. Mm. Well, you didn't specify sandwiches, so just hot dogs Well, themselves. hot dogs
0: are not sandwiches.
1: Well, that opinion aside, <laughs> I'm going to guess it's some outrageous number. Like, if we have...
0: He's going to go really into this and, like, get super analytical. I'm
1: getting super mathematical oh, on this. Geez. Let's just go, like, a soft 40 million hot dogs.
0: Yeah, we've hired Way us. up, H- way 150 up. 150 million right. hot dogs.
1: if we have, like... Over 300 million people in this country, that means half of Americans are eating a dog.
0: I mean, listen, Joey Chestnut's eating 74 in 10 minutes.
1: He's helping some so people out. he's,
0: he's helping. Uh- he's
1: covering my quota. I'll say that. <laughs> Thanks, Joey. Shout out Joey Chestnut.
0: Oh man, I, I love Fourth of July. What's your favorite Fourth of July food?
1: Uh, Indiana boy, corn on the cob. Yeah, there's nothing like some corn on the cob on July 4. Some grilled whatever it's you can be grill. Sweet corn, though. Yeah, grill whatever sort of meat of your choosing. But I'm a sucker for for some fresh corn.
0: Personally, I, I'm obviously Midwest girl as well, so like love me some so corn duh. on the cob, duh. <laughs> um, and potato salad is my go to and if it's homemade wrap me in a ball throw me in a corner like I'm done for the day I'm taking the whole tub of potato salad and I'm not coming out like I just fourth of July is probably my favorite holiday for the food that's served on that day Um, so I hope everyone enjoys our festivities the last thing we have going on this week is hey It's week 18, man. Mm -hmm. We've got Wednesday night soccer happening this week. Sacramento and Fresno. Fresno, again, we were talking about earlier, they haven't lost a match in over a month. And then you have Republic FC, who they've only lost one game at home all season. So that's kind of interesting, too, um, seeing those two teams kind of, you know, uh, collide there. I think that Sacramento has been one of those teams that's been like slowly working their way up as well. Mm -hmm. They've struggled with Reno. These last weird few game. weeks, weird game. Um, but as a whole, I think this is going to be a really competitive matchup, especially with Sacramento at home. I give them the edge up solely because uh, of that home record and the atmosphere there. And, um, you know, with it being the the holiday time, I think there's just there's a lot working in Sacramento's favor.
1: Yeah, their last home game was the, the 6-0. So I don't know if they, they've got enough goals to spread over two <laughs> games. But, yeah, it's going to be a great game. Republic, obviously, like you touched on, uh, what you would consider indomitable at home but uh, a little shout out to the indomitable city but uh, Fresno coming in hot obviously unbeaten in, in four games and coming in off the three over El Paso it's going to be a great game so Wednesday night soccer once again proving uh, proving interesting
0: catch that one on ESPN 3 and then later in the week we're going to have Louisville and Nashville that is going to be one heck of a game. In- I think people forget, too, that they haven't met yet this year. Yeah. Like, they they met in, in the preseason. Nashville had that one, 2-1 over Louisville. But they have yet to meet in the regular season, which is interesting because I think this has been one of the matchups that's been the most hyped up. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we were really looking forward to seeing these two collide. And then I realized, my word, it's July. And we still <laughs> haven't seen them play yep. each other.
1: Well, and I, I remember when Nashville first announced that they were signing Cam, you know, almost the entire Louisville fan base, not in a malicious way, but they were just like, man, when are we seeing Nashville? When are we seeing Nashville? And then they looked and they were like, we have to wait until July to see these guys for the first time. And it is kind of a bummer. But uh, these are two teams who will certainly have their identity at this point in the season. Um, Now just questions of A – who is Nashville going to choose to lead the line this weekend? And for Louisville, um, they've had some um, interesting results as of late. A 1-1 draw in Indy is fine, but coming off the Charlotte game, I think that they're going to really want to pack a punch and and more importantly get a win at home in front of the fans. So uh, that's probably the the highlighted match on Saturday, not for nothing. Um, but, yeah, it's it's going to be another heavyweight clash, and these two teams obviously being incredibly familiar with each other from last year. Um, it's taken some time, but but I'm glad we get a first look at them.
0: I'm really looking forward to that one on Saturday. And there's only seven games this Saturday as well, with it being the holiday weekend. Nice so spread. Nice spread. More time to tune in to that one. And see everybody there. See, see everybody there. And listen, it's a lot of Eastern Conference implications on this one as well. I mean, uh, a win for Louisville puts them in the top five. A win for Nashville puts them in top three. Um, so a lot of movement could come out of, of the result of this meeting. So a lot to look forward to this conversation. Coming week, uh, I think we're we're moving in to that that final bit of the pod. JB Allen, what do you have for us on Shots Fired today? I, for one, am really looking forward to it.
3: Uh, well, Kelsey, you took my question. Oh uh, no. So oh, I no. had to. This, wait.
1: Does this mean that what? this is pre-prepared? That she's aware of what's what's going to be no, coming down the line? She
3: literally took the words out of my mouth. What I was going to do for my shots fired segment. So I had to pivot in the last few minutes and think of something else. <laughs> oh
0: my god! Poor JB.
3: Force
1: change on the spot.
3: So I'm going to swap it and say, "What's the most overrated piece of food you'll find at a barbecue?" Ah. Okay. Oh, wait, at, a, at a barbecue or Fourth
0: of July barbecue?
1: Fourth of July. At a Fourth of July barbecue. Cool.
0: Ooh! i'm in oh whoa i'm in you're in i'm in so quick
1: and i've got a timer for it too
3: scott you got the timer
1: yeah i'm in
0: all right you can go first where's your timer
1: right up here you got you got proof up here yeah okay cool all right you're taking it out three two one Dude, it's baked beans. It's obviously baked beans. They are so overrated. A, they really don't provide like anything other than just pure substance, which at a 4th of July barbecue, you have more than enough choices than to fill up on baked beans. Two, they get cold really, really quickly if you're not like keeping them out. Like, if you don't get to those beans as soon as you dip them out, they're gonna get gnarly, and it's just not gonna be a good time. So, stick to the meat, stick to the corn, skip the baked beans, folks. You can fill in side dishes with so many better things than your average classic, but still somewhat underwhelming baked beans.
0: Yo, our our Southern fans, if they exist, oh, they're coming coming for me. That's all right,
1: folks. That's all right. I'm here for it. I'm here for it. I'll take the heat. Have I just Have you ever think baked had are...
0: bacon and your baked beans, Scott, no.
1: no, because I I barely gave baked beans a I think you would rethink
0: that, com- that, that whole theory if you put some bacon in those baked beans. That's this all I'm saying.
1: Sounds like more pandering, honestly. But
0: <laughs> All right. Put me on the clock. Three, two, one. Most overrated dish is ribs. On a 4th of July cookout, I do not think that ribs have a place. We've got our two main staples. We've got the dogs. We've got the burgers. Take the ribs out. Th- these are, those are a delicacy. that takes so long to do. It is so tedious. You can screw them up way too easily. Everyone's drunk on the 4th of July. Anyways, <laughs> let's be real. The ribs are, are not part of this equation. Throw me some potato salad with a burger and, I don't know, some, some coleslaw and fruit and call it a wrap. Ribs are not part of this equation.
1: Wow.
3: Kelsey, you might make a lot of people mad by throwing ribs out there because I feel like any type of meat you put in a barbecue setting is people are gonna love it. See, I
1: think this is a this is a closed off mindset when it comes to the barbecue ribs shout. I think that she's just not seeing the full picture, man. You gotta be able to expand your circle.
0: I just don't think it's necessary. Like you, once you open ribs up, it's an expensive barbecue. Maybe it's not too necessary. Many options like you don't need it. Maybe
1: not necessary, but never overrated. See, I think, I think
0: baked beans are necessary. We're talking about America. But they could be overrated
1: even if they're necessary. They could still be overrated. And that was the crux of the question. I'm just saying. I'm can just agree saying. agree to disagree
0: as we do time and time there again. There have been
1: shots fired. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to have to go with Scott. Oh, thing. no. It's solely because from personal experience, baked beans never sit well when it's 95 degrees out.
0: Where is Matt Calvo?
3: They're just sitting in my stomach.
1: In Atlanta, in the South, probably eating some baked beans for breakfast. (laughs) Like they do in the South, I've heard.
0: All right, Scott breaks the streak, takes two in a row. I'm now going to have my tail between my legs the rest of the week while I enjoy my baked beans this 4th of July. Hope everyone has a great weekend. Uh, Let's hope that we see our women on that big stage this coming Sunday. Uh, That's it. I'm picking up
1: some ribs for the 4th now. (laughs) And JB's coming over. It's been decided. That's fine.
0: I haven't been invited to the boys' cookout, so I guess I'll have my own party. Everyone have a great week at Steal Some Time, Episode 7. That'll do it. Thanks, guys.